G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A conversation coming over this next hour. Look, it could be a very deep conversation and we'll try and uh, keep it as meaningful to all of us as we can because I just realise how deep a conversation like this that we're about to get into is and maybe one hour isn't long enough to be able to talk about the intricacies of what it is to live like someone who is valued by God. But we're going to give it our best shot and we're going to talk about a number of different dimensions. And so turning our attention to one of those conversations that is and has the potential to contribute to the way we think about ourselves, our special guest today says many people fail to reach their potential because they don't believe they can. If you've ever had self-doubts, today a conversation about those sorts of things and we may be the biggest problem that we face, that is ourselves being our own perhaps worst enemy, biggest problem. Wendy Burns, who wrote the book Remarkable You, says we often don't see or cultivate the possibilities God puts in us because we wrongly believe we won't be able to blossom into something wonderful. It's all the more challenging when we think that our own self-worth is often based on appearances, possessions and accomplishments. Wendy says self-image, based upon the value God has placed on us, is Christ-centred and goes far beyond what we can dream or imagine. We might reflect on Paul's encouragement in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, is that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Wendy Burns is the author of the book Remarkable You and has worked through her own issues around this whole idea of self-worth on her journey to discover hope within. Wendy Burns is a consultant and coach and executive director on the John Maxwell team. Having joined the John Maxwell University, Wendy is joining us from Darwin today in the Northern Territory. Wendy, special welcome back to 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil, and a belated Happy New Year. Can you believe we are in February already, 2021? I know, time flies. Before you know it, this year will be gone. But uh, let's make the most of some opportunities this year. And uh, the first one for the year with you, Wendy, and what a great topic to talk about because this is a big topic when we talk about self-image Sometimes our mind wanders to the idea of self-esteem and we think, how do we get our self-image right? How do we actually manage this idea of self-esteem, which some people have got all sorts of problems with? But we tend to look to our own appearance or our own possessions and our own accomplishments to give us some levels of self-esteem. What are your thoughts if we get underway? Let's start at this point. What are your thoughts on the big picture here? Oh, look, and and a great intro, uh, Neil, into what we're discussing today. What you've just shared is about what's inside of us more than what's outside of us. 
when we care more about our outside appearance and our outside appearance is important more than our inside appearance, which is our, uh, our self-worth. I say self-esteem, but it's self-worth. What are we worthy of? You know, what value do we have? What value does God place on us? But, but more, what value do we place on ourselves? Uh, and I think it opens up the door for a great, rich conversation in that space. Isn't it interesting, Wendy, we can often perhaps easily disguise what's going on within and uh, so some of these things when we talk about our appearance or our possessions, our accomplishments, those are the things that are seen by others. So we try to impress others uh, rather than wondering how do we get the inner order right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we impress others because we, uh, and we seek others' opinions and others' approval of what we look like. Uh, and, and it goes back, and I was praying into this this morning and thinking about the really important points to bring today, was that we, we think uh, or we tend to believe what's more important is the label that we have or uh, the opinion someone else has. For example, uh, you know, my experience that I wrote about in my book was that the label of my job made me who I was. And, you know, I'm so thankful to God that I was uh, removed from that job under interesting circumstances that, of course, are in my story. But what it took uh, away from me was thinking that my label made me and I had to go back to thinking about who I was in God. And I was a Christian at that stage, but I still didn't undervalue, I still didn't completely understand what it was like to live in this space that was truly that I was of value to God. Because when we don't value who we are, truly in the depth of our heart, know our values and value who we are, others will not value who we are. And this is where it gets really deep because valuing who we are is uh, so much impacted by those things that are going on around us, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our family, it's at work, it's with the career choice that we've made, the business transactions we're involved in, the church community we're a part of. All of these things are a huge influence and uh, they all have their impression upon us as to how we value ourselves. And interestingly here, and, and there's so many dimensions here, but let's start with this idea uh, that uh, we might have some aspirations individually, but we've always felt blockages to actually making that better marriage, doing that better job, uh, you know, going for that promotion, getting into business ourselves, uh, or when it comes to even the higher and even more important issues, how we actually participate in what God is doing in the kingdom of God through us. So we actually, Wendy, minimize our own potential if we get this all wrong. What are your thoughts here about uh, you know, how you are trying to get loose of uh, these things that are holding us back here? Yeah, great, great questions, great points, Neil, and you're so right. And I believe God's gift to us is the potential he places within us. And our gift back to God is discovering that gift and developing that gift and growing in that gift and, and really starting to look within ourselves. Some of the things you've just shared is about when we're, we're seeking, again, uh, seeking approval of others or seeking somebody else to tell us how great we can be in that role or that job or even within our marriage. If we don't know who we are, truly know who we are and what we bring, and we're looking uh, to our partner, our husband, uh, to, uh, to acknowledge who we are and, and, and affirm who we are. And, and affirmation is good, don't get me wrong, affirmation is important, but we still need to know the truth of who we are. 
And a great example of that is, you know, we, when, I, when I lost my job, like I was removed from my job under those circumstances, it almost led me to suicide because I thought everything was tied up into that one label. It's the same, promotion, marriage, or, and, I, you know, it's about knowing the truth of who we are. And I, I love this quote I read in my daily reading today. And it says, we cannot know every challenge we will face, but when we know who we are, we can face the challenges that life brings. And that's what this conversation is all about. When we know the very depth of who we are on the inside, because we always must be bigger on the inside so that it comes out on the outside, then we're able to face whatever the circumstances are we're in or the challenges that life throws at us or that missed opportunity for that promotion or that marriage that is struggling. So coming back to, and then that ties back into, well, who does God say we are? Yes, and I know that you're, that you've got tremendous strengths in a lot of different dimensions, uh, but one that you do write about, and we might come back to your story, having lost your job in that particular corporate setting. Uh, but these things are relevant right across the board, right into, and I was just thinking as you were sharing those things here, when we talk about a marriage, you've got a husband and a wife, and sometimes... One has an identity that's set in Christ and the other one has an identity set in their spouse. And sometimes we've got to be able to recognize that when two have their identity in Christ, then you have a better way of actually resolving issues and moving forward because getting the personal identity right in Christ actually helps us in all of these elements of our lives. Oh, so, so true. And, and for the first um, 24 years of my marriage, uh, my husband wasn't saved. And it's not a good match. It didn't work well because I had found the Lord uh, 24 years after I gave my heart to the Lord, I should say. Um, I had found the Lord, but my husband didn't know the Lord and he hadn't made that decision. So I, I was trying to understand my identity in Christ, but still caught up in my identity and who my husband was. And it is a really, it's a balance we have to walk but it comes back to knowing who we are in God. And what do we do with that? How do we find our way through that? Are really good questions. Wow, you have... I mean, this is where listeners will recognise how deep this all gets because if one of us has our identity in Christ but our spouse doesn't have an identity in Christ, then you've got to live almost in a dual setting. You've got the way that you are growing and you've got your relationship to your spouse. And this works the same way in your workplace because you might have your identity worked out and knowing how you're pursuing your uh, work life, but others who are in your workplace don't have necessarily the same identity focus that you do. And so they're doing their own thing and they're all doing their own self-centeredness. So the complexities here are just incredible. Uh, I wonder if you've got any thoughts on... On, uh, on how you actually uh, begin to, I mean, I've got my own thoughts on this, but I'll get your thoughts here on how you actually start to get these image issues worked out when you've got things that are, are almost opposites or things that are contrasted, say, in a marriage. Uh, all great, important questions again. And, but it is about, I believe, knowing our values, knowing what's important and what we will uh, what is set in cement in our heart and that won't move from and what um, is something that is movable and, and knowing what our values are. And I, for a very long time, I didn't even know what values were. But, you know, I love the example of Daniel when he, he had to make a choice. Uh, 
set his set of values and principles uh, or compromise his personal values. And it's the same like that in the workplace or in, in a marriage. And certainly uh, we, we have to honour our husband, whether he's saved or unsaved. I believe we still have to honour our husband in that space. But knowing our values and knowing who we are and knowing what we're prepared to move away from and what we won't move away from, I believe are incredibly important no matter what circumstance we're in. And we saw that with, with Daniel. He was able to make choices that kept him true to the values of who he was. Well, this is a deep conversation because we could first of all come back to things like Genesis chapter 1, where we're yeah. created in God's own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. We read that in Genesis chapter 1. So when that relates to our marriage and to our work and to our career choices and to all of the things we might choose to do in our life, that's where we're sort of going here. And uh, there's an awful lot of depth that we can go into. And But we're going to probably get into focusing what it is that you're doing in your workplace and your career and your church life. Uh, we'll talk about those sorts of things. I do want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. And we'll also uh, be able to, uh, if you want to respond to our Facebook question today, the question asks, do you think our appearance, possessions and accomplishments are the best ways to think about our personal value? Well, you might like to leave your comment there and uh, you'll find that at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Wonderful to have you with us. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to today's Facebook question. Do you think our appearance, possessions and accomplishments are the best ways to think about our personal value? And uh, we've been into some deep waters. We're going to bring this back to more a practical setting. So uh, with this assumption that, yes, we recognize that our identity is in Christ and he's the one who gives us value. So what does that mean when the rubber hits the road? Uh, let's talk through some of these things here because, Wendy, uh, when we're going off to work, uh, when we've got our family that we're raising, when we've got our own financial issues about, you know, where we're going to invest some money, all of these things come back to our identity and the way we value ourselves. Uh, you've got a whole lot of practical ways that we can make some application of this value that we have in Christ. Let's start with some of those. Oh, that's a great starting point. I think it's great to have some, you know, if anybody knows me or read my book, you know, there's always a call to action. And with, you know, action creates ownership in everything that we do. So right now it could be overwhelming to think about how can I bring about the change or find my potential. So what about some steps? Starting looking at, as I said earlier, being concerned about what's on inside more than the outside. What are some of the things with inside you? And it can start by Stop comparing yourself to others. I just love that step. It's a great first step. You know, instead of uh, thinking about, well, how do I compare with the mum next door or uh, the wife of, you know, such and such or my work colleagues, stop comparing yourself to others and start to compare yourself to yourself. How can I make myself better today? So each day we take a step to become better the next day. What can I do that will take me further in my growth and further in my potential today? And Wendy, when we compare ourselves with others, then the others become the standard by which we're trying to aspire. 
it's different, isn't it, when we've got this identity in Christ because all of a sudden the others don't matter so much as aspiring to be like Christ. That's an interesting way to, to look at that because just comparing ourselves with others doesn't give us any real substance at all. No, that's exactly right. And that's when we can very easily uh, go off the rails because you know we start to uh, mimic other people. You know, it's the law of the mirror, isn't it? Law of the picture of what they do. We feel like we need to do to be part to be like them, and that that can take us into dangerous water. I love your idea that action creates ownership because our lives are not just an intellectual set of facts, but this is how we actually work out our lives in the daily steps that we take, the daily things that we do, and so. Uh, the idea of having some daily disciplines. This is a part of what you think is a good way to be thinking about how you uh, get this whole value thing right. Oh, absolutely. And it certainly did change my life uh, by thinking, you know, instead of waiting for somebody else to come along and rescue me, it was the realisation that I needed to do something to grow myself and rescue myself, become my own superhero, so to speak. Um, and, you know, that that was about, and I'm not... Uh, what I'm saying is if I was going to live fully in the purpose of God it created me to be, once I got that and understood that, then I needed to take an action every single day to walk into that. So whatever it is that we're aspiring to, and for some it's going to be business and career, others are going to be thinking family, marriage, others are going to be thinking how I serve God effectively in a ministry role or a mission context, taking some small steps each day actually sets us in a positive direction. So easy, isn't it, to stagnate and not go anywhere or just to turn around and, and, and think about the... Uh, the intellectual side without actually doing something that is of action orientation. Exactly, because no action is an action in itself. When we take no action, it really is an action because we've made a decision not to take action. Uh, but, but if we start to take and practice some daily disciplines, we start to build, uh, build our own morale out and we start to boost those small steps. See, small steps over time lead to great change. So thinking about what is the next small step I can take and maybe it's something you do once a week, you know, practice one thing every week or practice one thing daily, but it is the next small step. Then we might assume that how we actually take those steps could become important, particularly if we pursue an evil direction or a good direction because this is where our faith comes into being here, the idea of doing the right thing. Now this is a very biblical thing. What is the right thing? Well, the right thing is the Christ thing. Let's give us some, uh, some insights here into the idea of doing the right thing if you're taking these small steps every day. Yes, doing the right thing even if it's a hard thing. Being true to yourself and, and your values helps you make, uh, start to feel good about yourself. You start to walk truly in your purpose. And it's hard sometimes because everybody else is doing that other thing but you could choose not to because it's the right thing not to do it. So knowing your values, knowing who you are in Christ, uh, knowing who you are helps you be able to make those decisions. Well, no, that may be an okay thing, but it's not a good thing for me. It's not the right thing for me. So again, coming back, what's your filter that you make those decisions through? And interestingly, if I was just bringing in a little bit of Bible scripture here, um, if anyone is in Christ... 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Uh, this impacts on those decisions we make about doing what is right and what is wrong because if we are in Christ, there's the personal identity connection. We're a new creation. Therefore, those old decisions that we might make, things to, dis- to discover which way we would go, whether we take an evil path or a good path, these things get worked out for us because in Christ we're going to choose what he would choose. How do you describe that sort of thing, Wendy? Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. When we when we are in Christ, it empowers us to make the right choices. We still have a choice. We can still make the choice, but it's taking that responsibility for the right choice, isn't it? When we know who we are and whose we are, very important, it enables us to make the right choice, even if it's a, a hard choice to make. And that affects our attitude, our behaviour, how we treat others, how we treat ourselves. Maybe it's a you know a choice around alcohol or drugs or a you know um, verbal behaviour or whatever it is. When we start to see uh, those choices through the lens of who we are in Christ, it enables us and empowers us. I know you like to talk about uh, feel-good decisions on the things that you do and uh, doing the right thing, which doesn't always feel good. And uh, we like to choose the idea of doing what makes us feel good rather than doing what we know is right. But the ramifications on both sides there are are pretty significant, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It it may feel right in the moment because everybody else is doing it, Um, but there is uh, always consequences of every action we take. Every action we take has a consequence, whether it's a good or a bad. So when we are in Christ, and then, you know, old things passed away, all things come new, we're a new creation. The idea that we are changing, getting back to what we were saying at the very beginning, changing on the inside... Uh, this shapes our character and it shapes the values that we have. I really reflect, uh, you know, when you said, I wasn't even sure what values are. I'm sure lots of people don't, but values are the things that we most highly value. And so uh, this idea of of uh, being a new creation and aligning with Christ in whatever pursuit is going to help shape who we are within. Absolutely. And spending some time, Neil, identifying what are those things that are value to us? What are the values we believe in? What are the values that we're going to use uh, every single day to guide our decisions and to filter our decisions through? Really is a changing moment. I know that that was for me, knowing that uh, what are the things that I value? You know, my integrity, my honesty, my faith, my responsibility, being able to articulate those is really, really important. And I think one of the values I've spoken about uh, quite a bit on vision was hope. And recently I heard a a new analogy for hope and I loved it. It was a saying that said, hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. So courage to see that they do not remain as they are. And isn't that what we're talking about is having the courage to do what is right to aligning ourselves with our values and our principles, even when it's hard, and bringing it back to Daniel. That's what Daniel did. Let's apply some of these sorts of things perhaps into a workplace setting because uh, you do lots of coaching and uh, leadership uh, Uh, studies and all sorts of things on these types of things and how it affects people in their workplace. So when things are starting to change on the inside, how does that affect the way we actually live our work experience? 
I, I, I believe people start to see, and I believe in values-based leadership and self-leadership, but also values-based leadership in the workplace. An, an organisation knows their values and they value their people because of those values. That's not always the case. I do understand that. But when we know our values and we can align what we do, what we deliver, our work ethic, uh, and I believe the speaker that you had on uh, yesterday was talking about our work, uh, what we do in our work, um, is... It, the values that we bring start to portray like when we get bigger on the inside I believe it almost starts to come out of our skin like garlic because our value and our truth and our identity starts to seep out of us and people start to see that there's something different maybe one of your values is worth it work ethic and you and you work harder you you are really integral in what you do in the workplace people identify that Now, there's a difference, isn't there, when you're the boss at work and it perhaps is a little easier because others will start to capture some of your values. Different when you're an employee, especially if you're working in what we might all talk about as being a toxic environment where uh, the values are really bad at every different level. Uh, What are your thoughts here for, uh, you know, when you are the boss, uh, how valuable it is to have your values come to the fore, those things that are created in this way that you're seeing your value before God, your identity in Christ? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, When you are the boss, your values are aligned to your character and your character align to your actions uh, in everything that you do um, and everything that you are. So that is so incredibly uh, important and, and that is delivered out of how you treat your employees and how you treat others within that workplace. Now, it gets more complicated, doesn't it, Wendy, when you are the employee, when you're not the one who's calling the shots and setting the values. And in fact, you might actually be working in what some might consider to be quite a toxic environment at work and you're in the middle of it all. You're trying to... You know, you're trying to espouse these values of the, uh, you know, this Christ-centeredness that's a part of your new creation self in Christ, Uh, but you're in an environment that is oftentimes far from anything that looks anything like it's Christian. I know you've been there. How do you think uh, of that uh, that person who's working in their workplace, and uh, they're the ones who are in the toxic environment? They don't feel like they have any way of actually changing it. Sometimes we are in that workplace, sometimes we're not able to say anything, but we are able to demonstrate by our behaviour. And sometimes the demonstration is simply not saying anything and not doing that hard or difficult or bad thing or aligning with that gossip that's going on around us or that that toxic behaviour. Sometimes it's simply not saying anything because we can't, but we also don't contribute to it and we don't become part of it. Uh, Wendy, we've discovered that there are lots of dimensions here. Why don't we try and uh, bring our conversation uh, back to what happens in our work and our aspirations for our lives? And uh, sometimes uh, things are so hard going, sometimes we're at such a low point, uh, it's hard to know how God can use us in any significant way. What are your thoughts here? We can get to that low uh, spot in our lives where we can't see a way forward and we can't see how God could use us in any way um, and what potential we could possibly have or what value we could bring to somebody else. And that's when we are at that place, I, I think it's 
I want to say it's a great place to recognise because we start to recognise and, and increase our awareness of what is going on. And it's a good space to stop and pause and to stop and reflect. A time to stop and think, well, what's not working for me here? What do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing if I want to change this? I said earlier, Neil, that uh, sometimes we need to be our own superhero. And for me, I was always waiting for somebody to come along and rescue me and change my life. But it was a realisation that I needed to take an action to bring about a change. And that can happen when we're at our lowest point. You know, God never gives us more than we can cope with. And that is so true. We might feel like we can't cope, but God will strengthen us for the journey ahead. And it can start simply by a couple of little simple steps by looking at, well, what do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing? Wendy, when you are at those low points and you feel like you're stagnating, you feel like you don't have any real value at work, you feel like you don't have any value at home, you feel like you don't have any value at all, it's very hard to actually have some sort of objective opinion that comes from outside that says, hey, you can do it. Now, you could get that as part of uh, you know a group where someone's your cheer squad and I often will talk about our local church being that sort of cheer squad yes. uh, but the idea of being able to connect with God God is our ultimate cheer leader here uh, what are your thoughts for when you're in that point where you're at your lowest point you feel like you're stagnating your value is useless and you don't feel like you can do anything you might as well just puddle around doing nothing yeah or give up throw your hands up in the air and yeah. give up that that's a choice but I would hope that that's not a choice any of us would make. And we, we've all been there. We've all had those moments. None of us are immune from that space. But don't stay in that space, I think, is the key. Coming back, and you're absolutely right, our greatest cheer squad, if we've got nobody else in the corner with us and walking that journey with us, is coming back and sitting with God, sitting with your journal, talking to God about, well, who, who am I in you? Who am I in you? Who do you say that I am? What can I do in you, Lord? And it starts with one thing. So spending that quiet time and being open, being open to dream those dreams because we've all got them buried within us. We've all been created for a purpose. And sometimes we have to stop and really leaning into the Lord about, well, what could that possibly be? You know, uh, the Bible speaks so powerfully about this identity that we have in Christ. Now, you have to go to various places to find that sort of identity detail. But, you know, in Philippians chapter 3, mm. verse 20, you know, we're told our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, we're citizens of heaven when we're this new creation. Uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, mm. verse 7. Uh, you know, we're reminded in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors uh, through him who loved us. Uh, there's this sort of way of being able to identify what it is that God sees us as and then coming out of this sort of stagnation point, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. And that is remembering about uh, the value that you, you are made in God's image, so you are valuable. You're valuable because of what it costs to, to be a, a follower of Jesus, to be adopted into that sonship, that daughtership of Jesus Christ. And you are valuable because of, of who you can become in the Lord. And so coming back, sitting with the Lord, finding about, identifying your purpose and your passion that's inside of you. What are you passionate about? What is one thing you could do this week? 
one step you could take forward that you feel the Lord is talking to you about. And even if you're not getting that from God as you sit in that quiet place, because sometimes it takes us a little while to attune our ear to what God is saying to us, is do one thing that's passionate, that you're passionate about, somewhere where you can add value to somebody else. And that's a starting point. And I would dare to say that's one area where our local church is so, so valuable for us because inevitably there will be those challenging times that will come to us saying, what is your purpose? Uh, what is the desire of your heart that you'd like to go on to? And you, co- of course, you know, then of course there's the aligning of those desires uh, with the desires that God gives us. But you like to talk about, Wendy, uh, those things that happen, you know, in our lives and you've got your own stories. You've been in some pretty dreadful places and without going into all of your details and your history, it takes a long time to say all of the bad things that have happened to you. But let's focus on the workplace for a few moments because you've been in a dreadful situation uh, where you were in a corporate setting and, uh, and things went very bad for you. Take us into those sorts of things and perhaps how we might be able to apply some of these value lessons you were talking about today. Mm, that's a great, uh, great point, Neil. Uh, that p- particular situation, I was in a senior leadership role in a government organisation, uh, leading a, a quite a large team. Uh, but always, and you t- mentioned it earlier about when things are a little bit toxic in the workplace, there were some people in my workplace that didn't like to be held accountable for delivering what they were paid to do or delivering the job they were asked to do. Uh, and there's a thing that is, you know you can put in a complaint, an anonymous complaint about anybody in any government organisation, sadly. And you don't even have to say who you are. So uh, for me, there'd been an anonymous complaint. There were actually 300 complaints in the one complaint about all the uh, things that I was supposed to have done. Right then, that was when my value was placed on my label of my job. God used this to turn my life around. I was removed from that workplace. And out of that was when I almost committed suicide because I thought I'd lost the value of who I was. But I thank God every day that he didn't let me stay in that place and he brought me back from that point to be able to know the value I had in him. How did I get through it? I held on to the truth of who I was in that workplace. Even though nobody else believed me, uh, nothing else around me would show that um, I could survive this challenge, but I knew the truth of my values. And even though I was still tying my value to my job, I still knew that my integrity and my honesty were paramount in everything that I did. I mentioned earlier that we cannot know every challenge we face, but when we know who we are when we face that challenge, it enables us to walk through it and to come through the other side. And that enabled me to come through and be found you know, fully innocent from those charges. But I still had to weigh out nine months of investigation for that to be revealed. But what was more than that, it was about me knowing who I truly was in God. And it's interesting, isn't it? And so, so important that when bad things are happening to us, a recognition that it's God who is shaping who we are. And when we have our identity in him, we can go through those times without getting to that point of uh, being in absolute despair because we know that God has not abandoned us because that's who our identity is in. Oh, absolutely. And I love the Proverbs 3. It's my absolute favourite. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So even in those spaces of bad time, trusting that God will bring us through. 
And sometimes all you can do in that is just reach out and, and call on the name of Jesus to be able to get through that space or get through that hour or get through that day. But we will get through it. We will get through it. You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, one of my favorite scriptures uh, about not being conformed to the pattern of this world because uh, conformed to the pattern of this world means getting your value from the things of this world. Mm. Uh, but, of course, the idea of, uh, of the, the, different, uh, um, uh, the, the different way of looking at things here is this being transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might test and discern what the will of God is. The renewal of our mind is really uh, what we're talking about here today, getting God's values as part of who we are because that's what our identity is to reflect. And so these sorts of transitions that happen in our lives through the bad things that happen to us are often the way God is actually pressure cooking us into a, a better uh, set of values uh, that connect and align us to his character. Uh, a powerful way that God works and we don't always recognize it when things are going bad. Uh, exactly. We often see or we can often see it as an obstacle, something that's there just to trip us up. But what if it's not? What if it's not an obstacle, but actually an opportunity to grow and go to the next level? And that's when we start to see that growth. So if we start to see things different through a different uh, transformed mind, we can see it uh, as, as an opportunity to grow. We see that through uh, the, the uh, chrysalis. You know, we wouldn't have this beautiful butterfly and they say this um, caterpillar struggled through to come through and come out as a butterfly. That's what happens as we go through all of these struggles. We, we get to choose what we do in them, but if we make some good choices based on the value of who we are in God and whose we are, then we're able to come through and become that butterfly. Challenging for us, though, when we feel like we're the only one who is trying to do something different, uh, to be aligned with uh, the value that God has on us rather than the value that the world uh, wants us to be squeezed into. Uh, when we feel like we're all alone, uh, then there's something there that sort of keeps us from trying to rise through this glass ceiling too and to become something wonderful that God wants us to be. Oh, absolutely. So start by doing one thing. What's one thing that you could do? So start today. What's one thing that you could do differently? Maybe there's something that you need to stop doing because you know that it's not serving you well. It's not adding value to you or those people around you. So stopping something and starting something enables us. Action creates ownership. We said earlier, Neil. So taking ownership of your life by stopping and then starting is about taking that personal responsibility to grow. And it doesn't have to be a great big, I'm going to climb Mount Everest type step. It's one small step. Uh, Wendy, let's come back to some uh, practical things. Uh, when you say stop doing this, uh, start doing that, uh, give us a little uh, insight here into some of those common things that we might stop doing and those things that we might start doing. Uh, could be as simple as the words we are speaking over ourselves. We could be simply saying negative things such as uh, I'm useless, I can't do it, I have no value, I'm, uh, I can't do anything. Turn your words around, reframe your words and start to say about I am of value, I can make a difference, I can do this thing. So starting with your words, starting with your action, it could be that for some coming home and or, or, or alcohol may be an issue where you're reaching for a drink or you're craving a drink during the day. 
try and think of something that you can do that's different. Go for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, do something different, but change an action. So it just starts by thinking about, well, what isn't working for me? And for me, it was my words. My words that I would say over myself was my first starting point. Uh, you reflected a little earlier, and uh, we didn't get into much depth there, but you started to share something about the story of Daniel in the Old Testament. And Daniel is one of those heroes of faith. Uh, what a powerful life he led and uh, illustrates some of these things here. His identity was in God, and uh, and there were others who were trying to manipulate, change, control his identity and uh, manoeuvre him into a different identity altogether. I wonder if we can reflect a little more on Daniel and and just the powerful story that he had. Oh, and I love that story of Daniel. It's, you know, he knew who he was. He knew what was important to him, his set of, his set of values and his principles. And he made his decisions confidently out of that he started, as again, by starting by identifying the choices he was making. Would he go along with the crowd? Would he eat the food that he wasn't meant to eat? Would he, would he make those choices? He made the choices based on his values. And I love that. And it's a great lens for us to see ourselves through, isn't it? It's a, a great example. And so aligning the choices we make with the choices that we know are godly choices. And uh, this is the sort of thing that, you know, with Daniel, uh, he was aligning to God rather than to, uh, to those uh, who were trying to manipulate him. So aligning ourselves, this works the same way, really, in all of the dimensions of our lives. Absolutely. He knew about his values and he used that as a lens for his decision-making. And isn't that what we do every day? We, you know, we, we, we make our decisions through the filter of our values. Uh, you know, a lot of churches have been upset by what's happening over this past year, uh, COVID, and some are still under all sorts of, uh, you know, lockdown measures or they're limited in some way. But this idea of small groups where you can talk about your life and your circumstances, your work, your marriage, your family, those sorts of things. Those are the sorts of times when we help to clarify what our values really are. What are your thoughts for how you might, you know, go from just a discussion on the radio like this to actually growing in these values in your local church context, Wendy? Oh, I think being part of a small group in your local church context is incredibly important. And, and I believe our growth happens in those small groups uh, when we can start to share really the depth of our heart and have people pray for us and walk beside us within those small groups as well. Uh, and, and your churches, your, your local church will do some value-based training, I'm sure, um, in that space as well. I wonder whether there may be some listening to our conversation thinking, well, uh, all this aligning with God's values and those sorts of things, I'm feeling in that sense that uh, somehow or other I've got to change what I do. I feel like I'm comfortable going along this line that I'm on now, even though everything's not right. But this idea of empowerment, Wendy, uh, when we are actually aligned with God's values and we know that his power is on our side, isn't that an empowering thing for us? Uh, in an ultimate and eternal sense as well, uh, rather than a disempowering sense. Some people, maybe they feel as though they're, uh, they're limited because changing the way to what God does somehow doesn't seem quite right to them at this moment. Uh, how are your thoughts here around the idea of uh, being empowered by God when we're aligned with Him? 
uh, empowered by God, being empowered by God's word and being aligned with God's word is part of the, what we do every day. What, when we're in the word, it empowers us to be able to, to live out that word and be empowered by that word in our actions and our behaviours and, again, helps us when we're sitting in a space and thinking, well, what do I do? Um, if I've answered your question correctly there, Neil. Uh, that's good. And, you know, uh, with, because this is a deep subject, um, getting context right, I think, is important. And uh, just to come back to this in the last few minutes of our conversation, because oftentimes in a Christian context, we're talking about aligning ourselves with God's values and aligning ourselves with our identity in Christ because we are pursuing the great commission that God has given us to do. In fact, he's given us the privilege to participate in his Great Commission. But oftentimes we're not thinking about the Great Commission because that's an evangelism and a discipleship focus. What we're really concerned about in the hard uh, difficulties of our lives, how we get up each morning and go to work, how we get the relationships right around us, how we uh, eke out a living and uh, sometimes feeling like we're just in a sense of existence. But getting the right, th the right context here, uh, aligning ourselves with God and what His purposes are, helps us in everything else that we do because everything else we then do is aligning us to the direction that God wants to lead us. Now, getting things right like that, it's a really deeper philosophical uh, discussion. And sometimes we'd get into a theological discussion around all of that. But, Wendy, today, as we're talking about those things that happen in our workplace, things that we stop, things that we start, these are good ways to be able to assess where we're at in the context of all of the good things that God is doing. So, Wendy, just anticipating the goodness of God when you're actually following Him and doing these things in the rough and tumble of the workplace. Uh, the goodness of God is very important for us to understand that, you know, God has got our best interests at heart. Give us your impression here as to those changes that have happened with you and how the goodness of God is, is, is helping to flourish and uh, empower and to grow your life. Oh, absolutely. So much I don't even know where to start, Neil. It's, it's such a broad, a broad question. God, coming back and aligning my life with God, understanding that God has a true purpose for me, uh, has for each one of us, and looking each day of how could I live out that purpose? What, what could that be? God is able to do immensely more than we could ever ask or imagine. I love that scripture in Ephesians. Beyond what we could imagine, beyond what we could dream, even though we might be stuck in the middle of a, a mess, we can find God in the middle of that mess. And it starts by asking God every day, putting our life out to God every day, seeking God every day in what we do. And he will show us our potential. He will walk us through those spaces. And he will flourish us in whatever area and sphere of influence he places us. Wendy, your real expertise is in how you conduct yourself at work and get things right and begin to flourish and be successful in your role. You're a consultant and a coach. You're an executive director on the John Maxwell team, which is a real leadership focus. 
And uh, and I just want to point people to, you know, your story, which you've written, and it's all about, uh, you know, how God has transformed you just remarkably in your book, Remarkable You. And uh, there's a website there, remarkableyou.com.au, for listeners who want to get a hold of your book. Uh, you also do, and uh, this is important, Wendy, uh, your consulting there's another website too for Wendy Burns Consulting. I imagine there's a link on Remarkable You as well. But but in that role of how how you help people get back on track and corporate settings get back on track, what, what's uh, what's something we can talk about for listeners here to connect with you in your consulting role? Oh, absolutely. Wendy Burns Consulting has all of that information under it, and I, I do, as I said earlier, believe in values-based leadership and about self-leadership. And at the moment, we do have this great opportunity. Um, we're giving away, uh, as part of the John Maxwell team, a, a values roundtable where people that want to articulate their values in a deeper way. Six weeks, I've, there's John Maxwell coaches right across Australia that are creating little groups to be able to work with people and enable them to find their values or to understand their values in this space on six values-based roundtables. So that's an option I'd like to put out there. You'll, you know, just send me an email or drop it in the feed. I'll put my email address there that we can offer that to you as a gift. But yes, working with co- coaching, consulting, helping wherever I can add value. And you certainly do add value, and we've had some wonderful conversations uh, over quite a long time now. And so just to point listeners to the idea of participating in a values roundtable, that's probably going to suit people who are uh, in a career, in a corporate setting, in the workplace. Uh, So uh, you can connect with Wendy at Wendy Burns Consulting. And, of course, there's the website remarkableyou.com.au. Wendy, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Oh, it was my pleasure, Neil. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.